You're listening to Review and Preview on Facebook Live. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Review and Preview. Where's Tom Scavetta? Tom is taking a personal week, but I'm here on Review and Preview. Colin Russo alongside my co-host, James Montefusco, here on this chilly Wednesday evening here in New York. James, how you doing? Not too bad, uh, Russo. What about you? It seems like you're doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good, James. I'm, I'm a little peppy. I'm a little excited. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. I'm hosting. It's a good it's a good week right now. I'm, I'm having a good time. We got an action-packed show for you guys. And what better way to jump into it than to talk some MLB? So first, James, we're going to start off with your New York Mets. Uh, some major news coming out of the Mets organization. Yes. Steve Cohen buys the New York Mets. Now, James, you probably know the ins and outs more of this uh, than I do. But I believe that he is now a 95% owner of the New York Mets, so obviously full control. Will Pond's on 5%. He's now, I don't know about in all of sports, but I believe it's all of sports. He's the richest owner in all of sports, valued at around $15 billion. I do, I do believe so that that is the case. So, yes. so yep. coming, from, coming from ownership in which neglected to spend money, how does this feel you know, this happened last Friday, obviously, but we didn't have a show last Friday. How does this feel as a Mets fan, James? So having Steve Cohen, Uncle Steve, Uncle Cohen, whatever Uncle you want to call him. Um, Uncle Steve. It's great to see new ownership with the Mets. Um, he wants to take care of all his employees. He wants to help, from what I understand, the area around it, to area around City Field to grow, Flushing, Queens, um, and along with uh, better the team itself. As Russo did say, that I believe you are correct that he's probably the richest owner in the MLB. Um, so that means, the, my thinking, the Mets are the richest team in, in MLB. Potentially. So hopefully we can do a big splash this offseason. Um, I'm looking forward to it. It's a new face to the franchise. Um, definitely a long time coming for us Mets fans. We needed a change now, especially right away. Um, yeah. After 60-game season, we had a lot of hope as us Met fans. It didn't pan out to what it was supposed to be. Um, we're a lot, big free agents, a lot of free agents this year. A few key signings hopefully we can get. A um, few um, contracts off of our payroll as well. Um, I do know, I'm sure, MLB fans have been watching around the country and the world. Uh, they did see that one of the uh, biggest things to interrupt this potential buy was mayor uh, of the city of New York City, um, but it went through. You talked to the head of MLB. Everything's cool. So yeah. us Mets fans are excited for this off season. We're looking forward to it. Um, so yeah, listen, us Mets fans, myself, I'm looking forward to change. Especially, it's a new face. He's a Met fan. That's big, uh, too. Big Met fan. So, hope so. And then I don't know if you saw on his Twitter, um, but he asked on his Twitter feed, what what would you like to see at City Field or what would you like to see in general? Yeah. Um, and he was answering back and forth, so which is great to see. Um, 
in the 21st century and all, uh, as an owner, but also wants to listen to the fans. Yeah. Um, the fan experience because he is the, that's where you need to go, honestly. And as yeah. Tom says, uh, he, he's from Stanford. So Stanford, Stanford Connecticut. Yeah. So definitely a local tri-state area guy. Yeah. No, listen, I, I love to see it for you guys. I love to see, you know, just, I, I talk about this all the time. I, I, I'm a New York fan, but if I'm not a fan of that particular team and they're winning, I'm going to root for them because in a city that's been deprived of winning for so long, uh, Yankees have one World Series in the last two decades. Uh, the Giants have two Super Bowls. And that's about it in terms of representation over the course of the last 20 years for the fantastic state, the fantastic city of New York. And to go back onto your point about Steve Cohen, that, that, that's unbelievable. That, that's, really, that, that's a great owner. That's somebody that's truly invested into the team. I know one of the knocks against the Wilpons that I know for a lot of Met fans, a lot of true Met fans, when they built City Field, it was very, very difficult for them to adjust because instead of making it reminiscent of what Shea Stadium was, uh, Jeff Wilpon, I believe it was, was a big fan of the Dodgers as growing up yes. as a kid. And he made the stadium to look like the Dodgers stadium instead of kind of reminiscing what the Shea stadium represented, what it looked like. And to kind of just, instead of, um, instead of just rebuilding that and renovating it to a more upper class, uh, new fresh face stadium with that touch of Shea in there, just kind of built it all around, uh, the Dodgers in that sense of time. But having your owner invested in his fan base, that's something that, you know, as Met fans, I can't speak to this, but something that I, over the course of time, getting to know you guys, having friends that are Met fans, one of the biggest things that they attribute to the lack of success from the Mets is just the not listening to the fan base. Even Listen, the fan base isn't always correct. They're not always correct. But in some cases, you have to go to your fans to see what they want because at the end of the day, those are the guys that are filling the seats. Those are the guys that are paying the bills. Those are the guys that are putting money in your pocket, as well as your p- player's salary. They should have some say in what's happening with the team. And for uh, Steve Cohen, who just invested $2.2, $2.3 billion in a new team, one of the first things that he does is you know, asking his fans, what do you want to see? That's, that's, I think that's great. I think that's great leadership. I think that's great team ownership. And I think that you guys will have a very successful and bright future uh, now at City Field in Flushing, Queens. I think you guys have a lot to look forward to. Yes, um, I'm looking forward to it. The Russo, I just want to get back to a point. When we did build City Field, I want obviously when I grew up, uh, Shea Stadium was the only park I knew as yeah. a Met fan, and I understood them taking some of the history because they wanted to bring the Brooklyn Dodgers kind of like have kind of something like that, like Abbott Field. You know, I understand that because it's part of New York history. Yeah. But you're building your brand new stadium. It should be customized. I would yeah. like to them to uh, renovate uh, Shea, but of course they didn't. Um, but I we do have a few questions here uh, in the comment section. Um, Tom says, "Nice suit, thank you." Uh, we'll actually touch on why I'm wearing a suit later on in the show. Uh, yeah, you guys James didn't right. just come from work. James did not no. just come from work. Um. Vincent asked, what's the biggest signings do you think Cohen makes this offseason? It'll be it'll be you really know, interesting to see. It will be. It'll be really interesting to see. What's what's tough about this is that, and I'm not saying Cohen is this guy, but sometimes guys are talkers. The difference with Cohen and a lot of other guys is that this guy has 
deep, 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 deep pockets, and he's talking. So with that being said, it's not a matter of what big signings do you think Cohen makes. It's a matter of how many. Because yes. you gotta remember, the Mets are were on one of the cheapest payrolls in the league, being a New York franchise. Now you have this guy. You know he could instantly upgrade that salary cap. What another fifty million dollars or so, and get uh, you a yes. lot. He could easily do that because there is no cap in baseball. It's whatever the team wants to pay. It's however much he wants to pay over the luxury tax in order to put together a successful team. I think guys like Trevor Bauer, Trevor Bauer's guy, a good one. Um, definitely guy to help our pitching. Uh, yeah, Rear Muto wouldn't be Rear a bit. One hundred percent. I think you know. I think that's the obvious one that if any signing gets made by this New York Mets team, that's the one that you full force have to make. You have to, if you select, because this is the thing with the Mets. This is what, you know, we make jokes about the Mets all the time. Granted, looking at the season, even though it was shortened, the Mets were not a bad team. They just never clicked on all cylinders. Now, with new ownership, will that happen? Maybe. With a, a second year GM, uh, not, not GM manager. Manager, the second year manager. Maybe things will start clicking. But if you really watch these Mets games in this season, you had the same consistency where Degrom would go out there and pitch seven, six beautiful innings and not get a single run in support. Nope, and they'd lose the game. Or you'd have the games where Michael Waka or Steven Matz or Rick Porcello, who were the band aids of this team. And give up seven runs in a matter of two innings. An inning, yeah. Yeah, or an inning. And the game would already be over before, you know, before the game even started, pretty much. It wasn't even injuries that plagued us. It was the opt-out for COVID uh, players. Yeah. You know, Marcus Stroman, he was on contract here this year. A lot of people may not know that or remember yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so pretty much us Mets fans and the potential new ownership now, Cohen, um, was probably looking at Stroman and being like, is he worth keeping around? Yeah, um, that's huge. Now that's a huge question going into this offseason. Is he worth keeping around or signing only because we haven't seen him pitching now a year? Yeah. You know, did he lose anything from when we first brought him on? But yeah. Vincent, that's a great question. Um, Any other, love- another signing that I could really see, and I, you know, as a Yankee fan, we'll talk about that in a few minutes as well. And this would absolutely be a dagger in the heart. And this is every Met fan dream right now. Uh, for the Mets to sign DJ LeMahieu. Uh, DJ LeMahieu is now back-to-back AL MVP finalist, as he is a finalist this year. Uh, Knock on wood as a Yankee fan that he does earn that accolade. As part of his title, he's in competition with Jose Ramirez of the Indians this year and Jose Abreu of the White Sox. Uh, But hopefully DJ takes that one home. Um, He's been absolutely incredible, you know, watching him in a Yankee uniform and pinstripes. And that's a guy that I could easily see you guys adding on to your team, especially the need at second base, because me and you both know, James, Robinson Cano is not a guy that you can count on, whether he's in the lineup or on top of the fact just, you know, playing the infield. You cannot count on him to be a consistent player. He had a good 60 games. He did a lot better than he was last season. Um, Last season, he got hurt a lot. That was another another, um, part of the reason why he didn't hit the field so much. But when he did play, he wasn't a good player either. This season, you know, you, you saw some sparks of Robinson Cano. He did have his bright spots on a Mets team this season that had very few bright spots. He was, he was a nice one to see. But as a 38-year-old, I believe he is now, 37, 38-year-old, like yeah. he's not your long-term future. And now having the richest owner potentially, not just in the MLB, 
but in all of sports, you could sit back potentially as a Met fan and say, well, maybe a buyout will be an option. Maybe a buyout will potentially be an option, and we don't have to further hinder this franchise anymore, knowing that Robinson Cano may not be the future answer. Yep. But bringing in a guy like DJ LeMahieu, who's been back-to-back MVP finalist, um, on top of the fact you could sell him on the fact that he's could stay within the New York area yeah. and not have to move, which is, exactly. is huge, which is huge. You know, that's part of the reason why Dylan Patances uh, signed over to the Mets organization as well. Um, you know, hopefully he gets back healthy as well. Yeah. But now enough about the Mets. Uh, we're going to quickly switch over to the Yankees, talk about them for the next 10 minutes or so. The New York Yankees, uh, they declined their pick up the option on Brett Gardner and Jay Happ. Um, you know, a question that I ask myself, uh, noting this team, James, you yourself as well, you know, watching baseball, living in the New York area, the stigma with this New York team is that they have a good enough team, yet they are always injured. They are always hurt. And yes. even though Brett Gardner had a bad season this season, you know, I attribute that to a lot of what COVID happened, not really having an actual uh, a spring training, which I think is huge in baseball. I think you need that in baseball. That's huge survive. for sport. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's you know, we'll touch upon sport. that in, in the NFL segment, but yeah, absolutely. You know. But just the way, just the way in which baseball was um, put together, obviously we forget now because baseball had one of the most successful seasons, but just based on the fact, just such a delayed start, they, they had one game to play before actually starting the regular season. So that kind of hurt MLB a lot. And I think it hurt the players a lot. We saw a lot of people have slow starts to seasons. Uh, yes. One that stands out in particular, just in the New York area, uh, polar bear Pete, Pete Alonzo, he was, he was very, very bad to start off the season. For the majority of the season, he was batting 180, below 200. He was ice cold. Yeah, sense. he was, yeah, polar bear Pete, ice cold. <laughs> um, but yeah, back to the Yankees. I attribute that on top of the age factor of Brett Gardner. But Brett Gardner is a, a gold glove award winner. He, he's one of the best outfielders that the Yankees organization has ever had. He's been with this team now, I want to say, uh, 11, 12 years or something along those lines. He's, he's been there for a long time. He's been the longest tenured Yankee on this roster. Well, not at the, not not anymore, but longest tenured Yankee at the time on this roster. Unbelievable player, unbelievable leader in the dugout locker room that I think that the Yankees, if they could afford him uh, cheaply back on a contract, especially with all the injuries that we've seen to the outfield uh, with Aaron Hicks, Giancarlo Stanton, um, Judge. Aaron Judge, of course, uh, Mike Talkman not really performing well. With all that being said, Brett Gardner is a guy that I would want on my roster if you could get him back for a nice contract. Um, but it depends, you know, because he's, I believe, he's a good enough player at this point in time where he could get another contract somewhere else. It'll just come down to the fact is he going to want to retire, which may be a possibility. Will he come back with the Yankees or will he sign elsewhere to continue his uh, MLB career? Uh, we will see in the coming days as MLB free agency has just started, I believe, on Monday. Yes. And I believe all the um, the finalists for the Cy Young Award also is coming in, you know. I believe that's on the 7th, I want to say. 7th. I believe so. I know it's this. I believe it's the second week in November, which if the calendar on my computer would upload. Uh, actually, that's this Saturday. Um, yeah. You might be right. Where I know it's within the first or second week of November where the yeah. finalist uh, does come in. But, Russo, to get to you Yankees, well, back to you Yankees, um, we saw how they had such a hard time against the Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah. And we saw them go all the way. Um, unfortunately, 
unfortunately losing to the LA Dodgers. Um, now, would you potentially, if there was anybody of a free agent from the Rays, would you potentially want to take them? Yeah, absolutely. I believe if you could, of course, take advantage, not take advantage of another team, but uh, get an advantage over another team, that would be huge. I know that the Rays specifically, somebody that they chose to decline the option for uh, was Charlie Morton, who has been fantastic for a while now uh, in this league. And to a Yankees decimated, uh, decimated uh, rotation. Because now with free agency, James, the Yankees have been hit really, really hard with uh, free agency. So I'll yeah. read you off some of the names that they uh, of players that are now hitting the market. Go ahead. Um, on top of the fact, besides Brett Gardner, the other person that uh, was option was declined was Jay Happ. He will not be back, though. I don't think he will be back. Um, but that was another pitcher in which the Yankees obviously lose from their rotation. But I'm not really so, surprised. Oh, no, of course Perhaps. not surprised, but it's a guy that you lose from your rotation. That yes. was a that was your four or five. So LeMay, he was hitting free agency. That's major. That's the guy you need to sign back. You cannot let him leave. Um, Maybe we'll Yankees. come across the, across the James, bridge. James, don't start. We got to <laughs> see it. I don't want to yeah. listen. That's a nightmare. That, that, that's a nightmare. Um, so DJ LeMay, he was a free agent. Masahiro Tanaka is a free agent. That's the Yankees number two. Uh, Tommy Canley, who was one of their best bullpen guys, mm-hmm. is also a free agent. Uh, Tommy Canley had Tommy John surgery and was actually set to be a free agent next year, but is opting in for free agency, obviously, because he even, even next year he will not be playing at all because he had Tommy John surgery. Mm-hmm. James Paxson, who was your third option this year, is a free agent as well. Um, and that's the really that's that's the, that's the lineup. And you look at this lineup now for the New York Yankees in terms of pitching because the bats aside from LeMay, he really remained the same. But the Yankees don't have a pitching rotation now. They don't. It's just Garrett yeah. Cole. It's Garrett Cole and whatever you're going to get with Luis Severino, which uh, you know who knows. Debbie Garcia stepped up in a few games this uh, this season, but what is he going to be under a shortened season? I believe he only had five or six starts. In his MLB career, so what he's going to be, and then they put him in a horrible situation in a game two against Tampa in the playoffs. So I don't know. I don't know really what to see with David Garcia so far. What I've seen so far is that he's a great pitcher, but can he be a consistent player? Where you could say, okay, that could be my second option. That could be my third option. That could be my fourth option. You know, I'm hoping he could be a second or third, but it's looking more like a fourth or fifth at the moment right now, just based on experience. But right now, Garrett Cole is your only guy. What is Luis Severino going to be coming back from Tommy John? Who knows? Who knows? You know, the Yankees gave Garrett Cole a blank check last offseason. I don't see them going after a guy in Trevor Bauer. I just don't see them spending $500 million on two pitchers. I just don't see that happening. That that would be absolutely ridiculous if they did that. Well, if they did, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. Because I mean, Yankees, listen. If a team, Yankees organizations do it, have done that, have done, you know, they haven't, they haven't, that hasn't been their uh, mantra, that hasn't been their stigma, uh, their regimen, uh, their regimen in a long yeah. time since the years of uh, Hal Steinbrenner. Uh, it just hasn't been that way. I see what you're saying. It just hasn't been that way where they just, you know, the best player got to get them on this team. It hasn't been that way. Not that I wouldn't love to see it happen. But Trevor Bauer is an older pitcher. You know, you already got Garrett Cole, who's not an older pitcher, but in his late 20s, already on a nine-year deal, eight years remaining. 
Trevor Bauer is going to command that five-year deal. Yeah. He's already an older pitcher. I don't know if you necessarily want to invest that same kind of money into another guy. They definitely need to address the pitching situation because that is where the Yankees faltered once again. And they need LeMahieu, and I think they need one more solid infielder um, to come back to this team. Yeah, and I'll tell I, you I why. They don't. They have no consistency with hitting and getting on base. They have nobody. When D.D. Royce left New York, I knew it was going to be the biggest hit ever. No matter how great Garrett Cole was, the Yankees lost their best and most consistent batter. In fact, at that point in time, he was their only consistent batter. They didn't have another one. Yep. And the way that I, I don't even know how Luke Voigt is not an MVP finalist, you know, that'll be a discussion for another time. But the only reason why the Yankees were even able to make the playoffs was because of the way that Luke Voigt played in the remaining games of this MLB season leading up to the playoffs and got them there so that when everybody came back healthy, you know, he wasn't the only guy there. They need consistency in the batting. You cannot live, you know, home run or die type of team. It cannot be that type of team. You need to get your singles, your doubles, your triples. You need to be able to steal bases. You need to be able to get on base. And you need to have your solid one-two run innings without having to worry about, without having to uh, demand a home run. And that's the reason why you got the two runs. Yeah. I think that's their biggest their biggest fault. But, uh, James, do we have Gabe up right now? Uh, yes, we do. Gabe has joined. I'm going to bring him up right now. Um, Gabe, Gabe, welcome. What's up, guys? How you doing? Gabe is Good. the host of the North Pole. Um, yes. If anybody hasn't seen it yet, you got to check it out. He does right some good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know about you guys, but each week I look forward to that naughty list. I do. So, I do. Yeah. The, the graphic design, the creativity, Gabe, that you uh, attribute and put into your show week in and week out, it's, uh, of course, appreciated by us and, uh, of course, appreciated by the fan base. But, Gabe, we got you on right now. We're going to talk about our NFL quick picks. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some NFL news with you, just go over some of the previous week games um, and obviously some of the biggest news coming out of the NFL so far. So, James, we're starting off with quick picks right now. If you want to bring up the Excel. Uh, sheet yep. show that Gabe, you are your first time winner. Congratulations! So it's what a comeback! Oh man, I'm comeback. excited. What a comeback! Gabe had a phenomenal week this week. Forget about it. Fifteen points. Fifteen points this week. Absolutely blew every single one of us away. Me and Tom tied for eleven. James at the bottom with six. James, you're usually very good at this, my friend. If you, um again, if you want to bring up that Excel sheet just to show the. Yep. The fans, the viewers. Um, James, you had a really bad week, my friend. You had a really, really bad week. There's no other way to put it. You know, I, I really did. But what every, really, what but really every, got, you guys can see it. Okay, you can. Yeah. Go ahead, Russo. Just scroll up a little bit so we can see the top of that order yeah. as well, James. Um, but with every good, with every bad comes good. And this week, Gabe got it good. Gabe got it good. Usually, Gabe, and you could, uh, you can back me up at this point. When you're usually the solo guy picking the game, you don't necessarily have the uh, most fortune when it comes to that. But not only did you do it once, not only did you do it twice this week, but I believe you did it three times this week where you were a solo participant on the Carolina-Atlanta game, the Green Bay-Minnesota game, and the Denver-Los Angeles game. Still not over that one. That was very depressing if you watched the end of that game. Well, 
Kyle, I, I want to add to that. When I make my picks, I try yeah. to be as different. I'm usually the last person to make the picks out of everybody. I'm a procrastinator. So when I see everybody, most of you guys do, you have great picks. And <clears throat> I just go with like the weird picks that I think maybe you, we could see an upset. And it hasn't been going for me all year. I've been, I, w- I think I went with Houston, like 80% of their games in the beginning. It just never worked. Luckily, they were on a bye this week. And that might be why. I, uh, I I gave it first this week. <laughs> oh, yeah, no doubt. Uh, uh, betting on a 1-6 Houston team week in and week out definitely killed you. But listen, betting on an Atlanta team, we'll start off with the Atlanta versus Carolina game. Uh, this was a very interesting game. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, I believe, went down in this game for a while, and that's the reason why Atlanta was able to come back the way they did. I know Todd Gurley had a good game. Calvin Ridley did go out in this game. Julio was Julio. He just torched everybody. But Atlanta was able to close out a game finally. I believe they won this one 25-17, so good for Atlanta, good for Gabe, uh, getting the first one of the week, putting the first points on the board for the review and preview crew. Then we move into the Buffalo game. This, this is a big game. This is something that I want to talk with you guys a little bit about. You know, if you watch the end of this game, this was lined up for New England to take the lead. Uh, New England in terms of injury, COVID, free agency, everything. They have been, they went from sugar to, I guess you'd say sour, quicker than I think I've ever seen anything in my entire life. You went from a Super Bowl contender to literally worst possible situation in the NFL. And to elaborate on that, you have eight players opt out of COVID for COVID. You lose Tom Brady, you lose a bunch of other guys in free agency. Then you have the entirety of your team or at least the stars go down with COVID. You have Cam Newton go out with COVID. You have defensive player of the year, Stefan Gilmore go out with uh, Gilmore, go out with COVID. You lose the security blanket of the decade in Julian Edelman, who is having knee knee problems. He's been out for a long time. He's on IR now. Um, and Bill Belichick week in and week out, you know, he's sticking with Cam Newton at his quarterback, but Cam Newton in this game, in the fourth quarter makes a huge, huge, huge error. 25 seconds left on the clock, runs for the first down, fumbles the ball, hands the game to Buffalo. When New England not only had a chance to tie the game 24-24, but potentially score a touchdown with the remaining seconds on the clock. And my question, a little bit of a two-parter, guys, is Cam Newton going to last the entirety of the season with the Patriots as the starting quarterback? Or is he going to last as a starting quarterback in this NFL? Because we got to remember, this guy was late in free agency. Nobody signed him. Patriots picked him up late. Everybody was curious why, and granted, he did have COVID. Is that why he's performing so badly? Is the system right for him? But I want to hear you guys. What do you attribute the lack of success uh, for Cam Newton in a Patriots uniform? James, you want to take that one first? Sure, I'll take that one first. Um, I think he's trying to do too much because on that last drive where probably the Patriots should have scored, he, he runs it to the outside and he fumbles the ball. Now, Cam Newton, we've known to go out of the pocket, run for the first downs, run for yardage, right? Um, I don't know if he's trying to do too much to impress the Patriots organization, to impress their fans, to impress Bill Belichick, be like, you guys picked me. You brought me in. Yeah. You don't bring anybody else. Yeah. Um, maybe he has a little bit of that on his mind as well. Like, you guys wanted me. You got me. Um, that's what I'm thinking. Or along the lines, was the Patriots more of a system quarterback? Yeah. 
Is it somebody like Tom Brady that's been with the team for around 20 years, then left, went down to the Bucs to bring this team wins and Super Bowls and able to do that? Are they more of a system quarterback team or are they, or is Cam trying to do too much to impress? I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah, I agree with James on that. Tom Brady made a living checking the ball down in New England. And in a guy, a guy, I think Cam Newton has a one year deal. I think it's kind of one of those deals where he has to perform an ex- exceptionally to get a long term deal at the amount of money he really wants to make. And personnel wise, he's not getting a ton of help. I couldn't name you more than one or two receivers on this team. Um, and you're in a division two where the AFC East, they're a weak division. If anybody told me the Patriots would be two and five right now, I'd say you're crazy before the season because that division, you can get easy wins in that division with the Jets and really the Dolphins, you still should be able to beat them. Um, Cam Newton, I think it does make Cam Newton look bad. I think he, you could definitely attribute a lot of the the blame to him because that defense still holding 24 to Buffalo, that's pretty good. Um, I think Cam Newton could definitely be improving a lot. No, I absolutely agree with you guys. And to elaborate on James's point, um, or just to piggyback on it, uh, James, I absolutely 100% agree with that. You know, back in 2015 when he won the MVP, his bread and butter, uh, bread and butter system was being Superman, running the football, yep. doing these crazy acrobatic flips into the end zone, putting his body on the line. He's now, I believe, 30 years old or so. He can't do that anymore. And the fact that he can't do that anymore, you're showing, you're seeing more of that Cam Newton even though, even in 2015, he, he was never a quarterback that can throw the football accurately. And Gabe, like you said, not having basically any weapons around you necessarily, uh, especially now that you don't have Julian Edelman, there's going to be no success. In fact, the Patriots, I believe, are the only team in the first quarter that has yet to score at all this year in the first quarter of any game. And I believe the Patriots this season in total have three or four touchdowns in eight weeks of football, but I only believe they've only played seven games. So seven games of football for them, they only have three or four touchdowns, which is horrible. That's not a recipe for success. You're not going to have success in the NFL with that mantra. No. But moving on, Tennessee versus Cincinnati. Uh, and Joe Burrow beats the Titans, guys. I mean, this is – I said last week on this show that Joe Burrow is not losing them games. It's the Bengals. And the Bengals, as a team, they showed up along with Joe Burrow – and they, they killed a Titans team, 31 to, to, to 20. I believe Ryan Tannehill threw two interceptions, came back late with a dime to Corey Davis and yep. kind of fought their way back. Derrick Henry had a good game. Uh, I know T. Higgins, a rookie for the Cincinnati Bengals, had a really good game as well. Uh, but Joe Burrow, you know, is this, you know, we talk about in basketball a lot, what's going to be the faces of the NBA, you know, Jason Tatum, Zion Williamson, John Morant, these guys. Is do you, can you see Joe Burrow being one of the quarterbacks, one of the faces of the league in the next five years or so? Absolutely, Kyle. Um, I mean, he doesn't have the – he has good receivers, but offensive line isn't one of the best offensive lines. Joe Mixon's inconsistent. He didn't inherit an awesome football team. He's really been – they've been close in almost every game this year, and you can really attribute that to Joe Burrow. Uh, yeah. He's lightning in a bottle. Yes, he makes mistakes, but he's one of those guys that will make th- – his ratio of really beautiful plays to mistakes is is favorable. 
So I still would give him, I would give him all the credit for the way they're playing. And I think Joe Burrow is definitely going to be uh, at the top of the line in a couple of years. I would happen to agree. He's uh, it's unfortunate where his team is right now. Like, you know, not performing at the same level kind of he is. Yeah. But he, uh, he's going to make a name for himself in this league. Like he did in college football. He's going to make a name. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, like Gabe was saying before, the only game that he really looked really bad in was the Baltimore game, which they just absolutely got killed. But that's because you're facing Lamar Jackson with a garbage defense and the Baltimore Ravens themselves have a fantastic defense. But every other game, you know, I remember the first game of the season quickly. Uh, they, they lost to the Chargers because Randy Bullock missed like a 25-yard field goal. I mean, that's just been the storyline with the Cincinnati Bengals team throughout the season. But now you see they're finally starting to get on track. You know, will they make the playoffs? Probably not, even in an expanded playoff lead, you know, based on the fact they play in the same division as the Ravens and the Steelers. Moving on, Raiders versus Cleveland. You know, this is another question to be asked. Is Baker Mayfield going to be the guy? Is Baker Mayfield the guy that even with everything perfect, can he still have success in this league? You know, we're seeing with Kevin Stefanski. I think he's the guy at the head coaching position. He runs the offense nicely. Obviously, mm-hmm. they're missing Nick Chubb. I think Kareem Hunt did get hurt in this game. I believe that's so. They are missing Odell. Uh, they had Jarvis Landry. They had David Njoku, Harrison Bryant, new tight end, rookie tight end, uh, Rashad Higgins. And he has a fantastic offensive line, but they're just not succeeding. Only six points, two field goals in this game for the Cleveland Browns and a 16-6 to defeat. Um, but the Raiders themselves, they're not a bad team, guys. They're kind of the under-the-radar team that we potentially sneak in in the AFC uh, on the playoff side of things. No, you're 100% correct. Um, Cleveland without a few key guys like Odell. But in the pregame shows I was watching, some of them were talking, is Odell a distraction of Baker Mayfield? You know? We really truly don't know until we see how Baker performs without Odell again. Yeah. Um, so was this a first test for that? Maybe, maybe not. I don't think so. But the Raiders are a very good team. Um, they got a new stadium. They moved. They So they kind of tra- have changed things around. Um, like Russo was saying, they're a very sneaky, quiet team. They're a team that nobody might see. Yeah. Just might sneak in there and everybody's like, whoa, wait, where did this team come from? Yep, I people think that's forget. What's happen. People forget. I, I believe that early in the season they beat the Saints. So they're definitely a very good and competitive team, but they're kind of that middle of pack team that everybody forgets about because they're within the same division as the Kansas City Chiefs. Yep. And, and guys, uh, sorry about the phone before. No totally problem. didn't no even. No problem. Want, um, but Deion Sanders, I'd. Uh, he, he talks a lot. Of, he is on Barstool Sports now, and he was asked on uh, one of their shows, who would you take the AFC West quarterback uh, besides Pat Mahomes? And he went with Derek Carr because you know what you're going to get from him. He's been in the league for a while, and I think Derek Carr just needed the supporting cast to finally, with the run game, with the tight end, he's got a defense that's stepping up. Uh, I think Derek Carr has been underrated uh, through his career because they just haven't been winning games. But I think people are starting to realize he's a pretty good quarterback. I think that he's always been a good quarterback. I think that he's been a guy where, you know, since 2016 when he had the MVP season, and then everybody forgets he had that horrific leg injury because the offensive line that season just could not block for him. He never really recovered. Um, Moving on, Indianapolis versus Detroit. Indianapolis smokes Detroit. I believe it was 41 to 23 or something like that. Yes, it was. Um, 
And some breaking news with the Detroit Lions. They have officially placed Matt Stafford on the COVID-19 reserve list. So that that's huge. That That's the quarterback. I nice. don't even know. Gabe, you would know this covering the NFC North. Who who is their backup quarterback at the moment? I'm pretty sure. Know. I'm pretty sure Andy Hopper told me because like I I didn't even know uh, Matt Severed. Andy Hopper from the Brew Party. He told me that Chase Daniel is their backup, and Chase Daniel was on. He was the Bears' backup last year yeah. uh, when he filled in for Trubisky for a little bit. Yep. I'm pretty sure he's one. He's one of those weird guys who has probably made over twenty million dollars in his entire career just to ride the bench. But he's also one of those guys who, when he does come in, he knows what he's doing. Um, he's pretty, pretty decent. So don't count Detroit out. Uh, but I think a bigger, uh, not a bigger injury, but one that certainly doesn't help chase Daniel. If chase Daniel does get the start is Kenny Galladay's injury. He won't be playing. So that's another big one too. I believe he had a hip injury, correct? Yeah. Hip injury. And that sucks for Detroit. I mean, he's, he's really there. He's one of the best receivers in the league when healthy. So I really think that came at probably the worst time losing Stafford, a division game against a winning, a winnable game against the Vikings. I'll be honest. That's a winnable game. And uh, it just sucks to see Stafford have to go out like that. So um, to piggyback off of that, Tom comments, uh, Stafford has not tested positive. He came in close contact with somebody who has it, potentially a teammate. Um, so they're probably just putting him under a quarantine protocol, whatever the NFL has along those lines um, to protect Stafford along with the rest of the team. Probably so they don't have to close uh, their uh, the facility. facility. Yeah. You know, well, it's. Oh, well, I mean, we'll see because they have a they have a big, as Gabe was alluding to, they have a big divisional matchup this weekend against the Vikings. And, you know, if you lose. Already a shaky team, inconsistent middle of the pack team. Uh, you're losing your star quarterback. I mean, uh, it's almost no shot at that point. Moving into the next game, Minnesota at Green Bay. Now, Gabe, I got to throw this one to you. Yes, I would love to take this one. Um, I talked about it on my Damn. show. I mean, uh, listen, your, your boy Dalvin Cook cooked yeah. me this week in fantasy, but throw it back <laughs> to you. Continue. No, yeah, I, it, it sucked for me too. I played him in two of my leagues, and I, I was really bad. I'm like, there was no need to get that many points. Uh, <laughs> Alexander Madison. Get 25, get 30. There, there, you don't need a 51 piece. You, you don't. Need that. You yeah. don't. And, and I'm not even kidding. Like, there was that game against the Seahawks where he was on pace to have a 49-point game if yeah. uh, he didn't get hurt. But Alexander Madison came in and got, like, 20 points of fantasy himself in this game. Alexander Madison got 0.8 fantasy points, an absolute non-factor. They abused Dalvin cook. And I love when they use him a lot, but it got to the point where I'm like, get like, I don't want him to get hurt. They, yeah, this was they, his first game back, right? Right. First You're, game back. Didn't miss a snap. They abused the heck out of him. And I'm like, I was terrified. It's scary. Cause you guys don't understand what you, you know, when like you watch Saquon Barkley. I mean, before his injury, you were just waiting for that play really where it was going to, where something was going to go wrong because yep. he runs so violently and it happened. And Dalvin cook, I'm just waiting for like, what like when his groin injury happened, my, I just got really scared, but luckily it wasn't bad. But I think we're going to have to see a little bit of in the future and maybe a little bit less cook uh, just to maybe give him a little bit of a break. But the Vikings, they scripted it perfectly. Packers have the worst rush defense in football. Dalvin Cook, he wasn't going to – if there was a game he was going to get hurt, it's not going to be against the Packers. If anything, he was injuring exactly. other people. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. I mean, he was playing against a college team in my opinion. <laughs> 
college team. That's some strong words. Uh, that is some the, strong. Well, words. if you Aaron look Rodgers at if you out of the ball. Well, I should say their defense was like okay. a college team. Okay. Okay. Well, okay. When you actually look at their personnel as a defense, a lot of them are rookies and second year guys who like probably left college a year early. They college age. <laughs> well, I know that as a Giants fan, they lost two uh, linebackers and Kyle, uh, Kyla Fackrell and uh, Blake Martinez, who's was the lead or second behind Buda Baker and uh, league leading tacklers last year. Now, Blake Martinez has taken that crown once again in a Giants uniform this year. So that's definitely nice. huge considering they are bad at the linebacker position, the Green Bay Packers. Um, but one quick thing, Gabe, uh, another thing I just want to talk about quickly, uh, two things maybe, is this win mostly attributed to the Vikings in the sense of using Dalvin Cook the way they did or just the fact that Green Bay themselves couldn't have a running game because they don't have that dual threat in Aaron Jones playing at the moment. Because the Vikings themselves, and you'll, you'll attest to this as well, the Vikings themselves don't have a great defense either. In fact, they've only maybe have gotten worse because I believe they didn't even have their two starting cornerbacks in this game. There was nobody on this defense. Yeah. Um, it, I, it was the weather. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. It was the weather. Cause think about it this way. It's, it's crazy. I was talking about it on my show. We're two and five, but we played the, we played Russell Wilson amazingly better than any other defense played Russell Wilson this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we played Aaron Rodgers. Ex- besides the Bucks, better than anybody else has played Aaron Rodgers. How? Well, I'll give you a reason. We played the Seahawks in pouring rain, and we played the the Packers in twenty five uh, mile per hour winds. And so I think it was it was weather. It was Dalvin Cook running the ball really well, which is right up our wheelhouse. Um, and just Packers rush defense. It, it's a recipe to to win a game you shouldn't win. <laughs> Another thing, real quick. Um... Before we move on to the next game, uh, you guys got to figure out the situation with Kirk Cousins. I, I, I don't know. You, you cannot be winning a game when the guy's been throwing 130 passing yards. Uh, Adam Thielen isn't even – basically not even there, not even a factor. Just give Dalvin Cook the ball. We, uh, should, just, we should just run the triple option, Kyle. The only time <laughs> I've ever seen a quarterbackless football game is when you watch an, uh, an Army versus Navy game and you just right. let them run the entire yeah. game. Yeah. No, yeah. I'm not even kidding. We should just run the triple option, have Justin Jefferson <laughs> and Adam Thielen at the wideout. They would still be great. And then, uh, you know, put Dalvin Cook at fullback or slot back. It would be lethal. <laughs> no, it definitely would be. Uh, moving into the next game, uh, the Jets versus Kansas City, not much to talk about. Patrick Mahomes has a field day. We'll talk about that a little later. Final score, 35-9. to nine. We know what the Jets are. It uh, doesn't look like they're getting better anytime soon. Next game, the Rams versus Miami. Guys, this one was a fun one. You know, this oh. was Tua's first start. Oh, This worst. was Tua's first start. Very cool game. But really, ultimately, no, no knock against his performance had nothing to do with him. It really had nothing to do with him, the win. They had Miami, who forced a fumble and returned a touchdown for 90 yards. They had a punt return back for a touchdown. Uh, they had a turnover um, within the red zone uh, that just led them to hand off the ball to Miles Gaskin for a five-yard easy touchdown jump into yep. the end zone. Tua didn't have this great game. This was more of just the Rams just, you know, you hear the expression, you play down to your opponent. I think the Rams did this in a sense. You know, well, all the, the storyline, Aaron Donald's going up against a first-time quarterback uh, in Tua Togovailoa. What a terrible decision by Brian Flores. And Jared Goff probably had the worst game of his entire NFL career in this game. I mean, it was just a complete role reversal. 
Well, I got a fun fact to you. Tom, uh, Tom shared it with us earlier. I meant to put it on um, StreamYard, um, but I'll read it off to you guys. So the Rams outgained the Dolphins 471 to 145. They had 31 first downs, and the Dolphins had eight. The Rams lost. Yeah. You wouldn't believe it with that stat line. You just wouldn't believe it. But the Rams managed to make that happen. You know, that'll suddenly be definitely on the drawing board. How do we manage to lose this game and mess this up? But, you know, you have any given Sunday, right? Any given Sunday. Any given Sunday. I want to add to that real quick, guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like the Rams are the best team inside the 20s in the NFL. They just, like, they move the ball so effortlessly in between the 20s, but it just seems like, and they get first downs on first down, second down, but it's like when they need it on third down or they need it in the red zone, they're just not there. They're like, it's a phony kind of offense. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, I've I've definitely seen that and agree with that 100%. I think the, I don't think they've had Tyler Higby the last couple of games, and I think that's hurt them a lot as a tight end uh, option. I know they've been resorting to Gerald Everett. I know they're figuring out their running back situation for a while. It was looking like Daryl Henderson, but in this game, I believe they went to Malcolm Brown a lot, uh, which was interesting to see as well. Um, another game we'll get into, the Saints at Chicago. Um, that was a good game. You know, you got uh, everybody wants to say that Drew Brees is washed. You got to give the man credit. Does not have Michael Thomas. Does not have Emmanuel Sanders. Is playing at Soldier Field. Is playing a top three defense in the NFL. Still managed, even though it was an ugly win, still managed to squeak out the victory. The bigger question here with this storyline is will Nick Foles be back on the bench within a couple weeks or maybe within even a week and resort back to uh, Mitch Trubisky? Or is that just a uh, is that just non-existent? Will that not happen? I think it's more of the fact that they're not seeing each other. The coach and the quarterback aren't gelling. You don't think they're uh, seeing eye to eye with each other? Yeah. Well, I think the issue is Foles wants to go up and down, up and down, but this personnel isn't meant for that kind of style. They should really be a huddle. They should be huddling. They yeah. should not. Foles wants to go so fast. When you have a defense that good, you really just need to, to take the air out of the ball. Um, they should be running more of a pro style offense. And Matt Nagy just wants to move the ball through the air and with the spread offense, he refuses to really get under center because Foles doesn't like to get under center. So I just, I think Trubisky would probably be the better pro style guy because you could send Trubisky on those bootlegs. He loves to get outside the pocket. And I think they would, they would be probably better suited looking back on it with Trubisky. Well, we have a comment from, sorry to cut you off. but We have a comment uh, from Andy party, uh, Andy Hopper from the Brew Party. Uh, Gabe yeah. is actually going to be joining him shortly after right. he gets off with us, uh, so you guys can check that out as well. Uh, Andy says Trubisky hurt his shoulder. He's not even the backup right now. Um, and then he follows up with that comment. I, 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 I want to answer that. that. They don't have the offensive line for that because – and how I see it is like running the ball is easier than passing the ball for an offensive line. You don't need to have the best personnel to run the ball effectively necessarily. I mean, look at the giants. They, they kept doing spread, spread, spread. And then against the bucks, they went under center a ton with two, three tight ends even. And they ran the ball very effectively. I think you just need to dedicate commit to the run game rather than just running it to run it. 
get under center, put two to three tight ends, get Jimmy Graham the heck off the field. He can't block. Uh, just commit to the run game. Act, and if it fails, it fails. But you just got to keep trying, in my opinion. Maybe that's like the optimist in me. I just feel like they gotta they gotta try it, even if it isn't working, because it taking sacks ten times worse than getting stuffed at the line of scrimmage with a run play. And he also comes that, up with there without. Yeah, and that's hurry. awful. That's yeah. actually awful. That yeah. makes everybody's lives much harder. <laughs> I know that Kyle Long uh, retiring didn't necessarily help them at all in their case as yeah. well. Um, on top of the Bears factor, I actually, you know, Dave Montgomery, listen, he's obviously no slouch. I think they're really missing the Swiss Army knife that Tariq Cohen is because he's out for the entirety of the season. But I feel like I've seen a lot more success in terms of the passing game with Nick Foles throwing to Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney, who's evolving, and Anthony Miller, who's evolving, rather than I saw Mitchell Trubisky. So it'll definitely be, listen, Chicago has put themselves in a pretty terrible quarterback situation. They did not pick up the fifth-year option for Trubisky. So we will see what comes potentially even in this draft. Uh, then we got San Francisco versus Seattle. Uh, big news out of San Francisco. Uh, actually, some more news. San Francisco, boy, they, they have gotten hit like no other. So this first, 49ers add three to the COVID list. Trent Williams, Brandon Ayuk, reportedly amongst those out for Thursday Night Football. So those are two of the three. I don't know the, the third one at this point in time, but that's two fantastic starters, along with the fact that George Kittle is out probably for the remainder of the season. Yep. Um, and Jimmy Garoppolo re-injured uh, on that high ankle sprain, which he suffered early in the season. So not good for San Francisco. Very, very bad. Seattle comes out with a victory. Russell Wilson, MVP. Philadelphia MVP. versus uh, Ben Benucci. <laughs> ben Benucci. Uh, not, uh, just an ugly football game. Um, you know, if they could change games, you know, you know how they have some of these games changed because of COVID? This, this would be a yeah. game that I would opt in for changing on a Sunday night. This was not a Sunday night football game. This is, this, this is, that, this is one of the five, six, one o'clock games that you just don't tune into. Um, Carson they, Wentz. Oh, continue, James. They, uh, you know, they, Dallas and Philly have a long history of actually being pretty good games. Yeah, this was not one of them. No. This was not one. Um, Carson Wentz looked horrible, still got the win. Ben DiNucci, you can't blame the kid. First game out there uh, against a pretty good Philadelphia Eagles defense. Um, on top of the fact he has no offensive line as well. Baltimore versus Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh comes out with a victory. Another ugly game. Ben Roethlisberger did not look good in this game either, but he comes away with a victory, uh, basically granted on the defense. Real quick question, guys. I, I just got to get your take because I'm starting to develop my own opinion here. Lamar Jackson on numerous occasions has proven that he cannot play in big games. He had five turnovers in this games in this game, two interceptions, three fumbles. I mean, exactly. is just, is this just on top of the fact they lost their left tackle for the season a day after giving him the bag and Ronnie Stanley gave that man a hundred million dollars and out for the season the next day? Really bad situation for Baltimore right now. But is Lamar Jackson like obviously listen, he's an MVP. But is this just is, is that what Baltimore is going to have to deal with uh, as him as the quarterback with this team? He just cannot win meaningful football games. I don't think so. I think him missing Mark Ingram might be a factor. May might be. Um I mean I think he's still pretty good. May I think he definitely needs to figure out if he's more of a runner or a passer. Yeah. I think I mean, that might be we because we talked about that last year with Fonz too when he was on the show. Yeah, um, I think that's something he might need to decide sooner or later. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Well, they also run such a run-heavy offense, 
So passing the ball is really like a last resort for their offense. They would love to pass the ball five to 10 times a game. If they could, they really don't want to pass. So when they're in a situation where they have to pass, that's, that's good for the defense of the other team. So I don't think John Harbaugh really puts them in a situation where passing is, is, is easy. Um, and I think that's probably why they struggle a lot, especially they really don't have a great personnel at receiver aside from Mark Andrews and Mar- Marquise Brown. Yeah, yeah no doubt. Uh, kind of interesting in a sense why they brought in Des Bryant, considering that they aren't that pass first type of team. And to bring in a, a veteran receiver like that, maybe he'll get uh, into a couple games down the line. But I know that they signed him to the practice squad. Uh, the Chargers played Denver. Um, I love Anthony Lynn as a head coach, but he, he's on the hot seat. They just cannot yeah. close out football games. They yeah. couldn't do it last year. He can't do it this year, uh, whether it was against the Chiefs, losing in overtime, uh, the Bucks late after taking a massive lead, the Saints late after taking a big lead, and now this game, they were up 24-3 to on this team, I believe the case was. and That throw to K.J. Hamler in the end zone to end off the game, it's just – Really, really bad situation. Uh, another situation of Justin Herbert is winning them football games, but the team around him is losing them the football game. Um, and Denver gets the win. Gave another one of those picks in which you're the uh, the guy on the island, sole sole survivor of this game. Uh, I got Denver. lucky. I just you did get lucky. You did but get lucky with this. I, I, I want to share it with you guys. Something really stupid I did last yeah. week. I traded Keenan Allen on my fantasy team because I have a lot of good receivers. I actually have Devontae Adams and Michael Thomas on my same team. But I traded Keenan Allen for Miles Sanders. And everybody said that was the dumbest thing. And it, it turned out that was really stupid. Keenan Allen is like rated three PFF receiver. And Babe, he's on like why? his trajectory is so high. I thought his trajectory was going down because of the back spasms. And like, I thought he would be injury prone, but now he just completely like took off Man. after that. Like, and Michael, Michael and Michael Tom. Wait, did you do this earlier? Or you just did this like last week. This was like last week, right after I traded one of my running backs. So I literally had no running back. I needed a running back and I had to get rid of one of my receivers. And I'm like, I probably should have just traded Michael Thomas at this but like, point. I got but like, this point, yeah. yeah, I should have. It is what it is, man. We all have those fantasy moments. I remember last year, quick story, real quick, uh, week one of the NFL season. Uh, I had selected Antonio Brown, obviously not knowing what the outcome was going to be. <laughs> and week one, somebody offered me uh, two players uh, one of which was Lamar Jackson for Antonio Brown. Wow. And I passed up on that, and I'm a fool. Ooh. And I lost poorly that season because I stuck <laughs> with Antonio Brown. I was laughing in everybody's face come week two. Ha, ha, ha. He's with Tom Brady. That lasted one week, and then I was screwed for the rest of the season. Ha, ha, ha. And then and then, and Lamar Jackson wound up winning the MVP that season, so that was, that was great. Um, Tampa Bay takes on the New York Giants. We'll talk about that a little later. Tampa grabs the win. James, real quickly. You were the only ones to not get a lock or an upset this oh, week. Clean boys. slate from Tom to Gabe and myself all got the locks and the upset. Uh, and the upset. Tom and myself coming away with 11 week eight points. Gabe topping it off with 15. And James at a measly two points. <laughs> Look at that score, ladies and gentlemen. It's neck and neck. We're in week nine now. Got a couple more weeks left in the NFL season. I'm capping it off with 94. Tom's at the bottom with 90. Gabe's at number two with 93. And James is at 91. This is a competition last week, uh, last year that came down right to the wire. Expect it to be the same come week 16 after week 16 of this NFL season. But Gabe, 
I want to thank you for coming on with us. Always a great time. Always good discussion and love seeing you, my man. Absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me on. Have a good rest of the show. Absolutely. So I just, oh, continue. No, continue, James. Go. So regard, uh, we had to let Gabe go because he was joining the brew party uh, any second now. But um, so I am week eight loser, as uh, Russo just alluded to. So um, as my punishment, they said I have to wear a suit and a tie. So I went full-blown jacket, tie, shirt, and pants. Um, I went full out there. That was my punishment. To be honest, guys, you let me off kind of very easily. I have a lot of people that can contest for me. I wear a suit all the time of the show if I wanted to. If I, yeah. I mean, Listen. I look Listen. good in one. No, James, you know, yeah. <laughs> you can draw you. You know, there we go. Um, I do look good, and then also, you know, I I wear for I would wear it for work a lot when we had nice shows and stuff for oh, Broadway course. shows and stuff. Oh, but um, you know, so throwing one of these on, and I was also uh, just to go back to some of these comments that was earlier. Uh, Tom says James Bond Jr. I was actually James Bond for Halloween, coincidentally. And uh, Andy Har- Hopper says James said suit up looks good brother so you do my friend listen i don't know if you're the loser or i'm the loser because you're on here looking like a stud you're looking like a winner i'm looking like a schlub with my sweatshirt on right now you're wearing a suit and tie <laughs> jacket and everything all dressed up and nice um but yes james you were the week eight loser that is your punishment but you're still looking like a winner my friend thank you Quickly, buddy. before we jump into the team of the week just to go over a couple quick games uh, for week nine, just run down the schedule. We got Green Bay versus the 49ers this Thursday. will be very interesting to see what the 49ers put out there, considering that they are 24 hours away from playing this game. Yes. New York Giants versus the Washington football team. We'll talk about that a little later. Denver versus Atlanta. Seattle versus Buffalo. That's a great matchup. That is a good matchup. Chicago at Tennessee. Baltimore at Indy. That'll be another fun one to watch. Carolina at Kansas City. Detroit at Minnesota. What's going on with Matthew Stafford and the squad? Will he be suited up for Sunday? Only time will tell. Houston versus Jacksonville. The Raiders versus the Chargers. Probably one of the most underrated games of the weekend. That should be a fun one. That should Pittsburgh be. versus Dallas. Expect expect Pittsburgh to be up 8-0 on the season. I also don't know one. why that's a prime game week. Day. Listen, when they schedule the season, you have Dak Prescott and a healthy offensive line. That's yeah. more of a... That's looking more like a, uh, a tasty game right there for a, a week nine matchup. That could be a good game right there. But uh, not at the moment with um, not, now. not with the squad that they're putting out there on the offense and defense. Then you got Miami at Arizona. That should be another fun one. That should really be a real start to see what Tua Togovailoa uh, can do with the quarterback for the Miami Dolphins and for their future. Yep. Saints at the Bucks. That is the game of the week. That's the game of the week. Sunday night football. Uh, they played week one, but again, Tom Brady and the rest of the squad adjusting to that new offense. I don't think that was the real Tom Brady. I think now you're seeing that more of they've, as they've integrated uh, Rob Gronkowski in the lineup more. They're getting Antonio Brown. Yep. Uh, we don't know if the Saints are going to have Mike Thomas or not, but if they do, this is going to be an unbelievable game. And right it's now, be, this is potentially the NFC Championship matchup that we could be looking at right now. I'm definitely looking forward to this ga- uh, game. James, continue. Also, right now, um, I have Alvin Kamara on my fantasy team, and uh, I got a notice. Uh, yes, he does need to go off, uh, but I got a notice a little earlier. He is questionable, and tell me for what. 
Oh no. But I was like, no, I need you. I need you to bless my fantasy team this week. I need, because Alvin Kamara is honestly, you know, I think he's the best player player in fantasy right now. I think he might be the best player in fantasy right now. He has like 55 receptions as a running back. Which again, in a PPR league is insane. On top of the fact that what he does on the ground is unbelievable. It's phenomenal. Um, And then Monday night, we got the Patriots and Jets. Oh, boy. Uh, what a way to <laughs> round out a week. What a way to round out a week with that one. That is a as a cherry on the whipped cream sundae. Cherry on top. And that'll do it for our NFL talk. And now, as we progress on the show, hit the top of the hour, we are going to announce our team of the week. James, I'm going to start off first, and then I'm going to throw it over to you. Obvious team of the week. I am going to go with the Pittsburgh Steelers. They are 7-0 at the moment. Uh and still, not a lot of teams are talking about. Not a lot of people are talking about them as much as they really should. Their defense is no joke. Um, the offense, which you know could have had some questions going into the season, Ben Roethlisberger missing an entire season, yeah. um, them not having a solid answer at the running back position, at least that's the way it looked like. Was James Conner going to be the guy? I think we've now realized that he can be that guy. Um, the offensive line not being that healthy for some time, now they're good. The defense being full of studs. Chase Claypool, I said it when he was drafted to the Steelers, he was going to be the X factor for this team. He was going to be a guy that a lot of teams missed on and proven right. Um, Chase Claypool is unbelievable the way he, they use him in their system. Juju, obviously no slouch in his second or third year now. Deontay Johnson, James Washington, the rest of that crew. Um, they just got They have probably one of the more complete teams in the NFL and then topping it all off with a very, very well-established head coach in Mike Tomlin, who will be a Hall of Famer one day, two Super Bowls under him as a head coach, um, and just an unbelievable uh, unbelievable head coach and what he's been able to accomplish uh, under the Pittsburgh Steelers in his tenure there. But James, I'm going to throw it over to you with your team of the week. That was a great picker, so I liked it. Uh, my team of the week is going to be the New York Mets. I like um, that one. Talked about them earlier. Got new James, about real quick, James, how many times have you chosen the New York Mets as the team of the week? This might be a first. You know, I probably chose them only a few times when we were probably, I probably chose them more in the studio than when we were, uh, before we had to go virtual and all this um, stuff. But listen, they got a new ownership. He wants to spend money. He wants to hear from the fans. There's nothing else a fan could ask for. Us fans were due for a new ownership, new change. I'm looking forward to what, uh, 2021 season has to bring to us um, because um, it should be good. And I'm looking forward to getting back to the ballparks, Uh, missing the games, you know, warm summer nights, spring nights, a little bit in the fall going, you know, having a good time, win or lose. Always, you know, always fun. especially new ownership. If you want to change stuff, change, change stuff, loyalty programs, I've heard all this good stuff. He's taking care of uh, everybody that works for him, so which is phenomenal. Great to hear, especially during the, these times. No, absolutely. I know that uh, I'm definitely looking forward to getting back into the ballpark. I haven't been to a game since 2018. 2019 was just not my summer. Just never got a chance to go into Yankee Stadium. And then I was really looking forward to, especially being a college student, getting off in the middle of May, uh, getting to go to as many ball games as I wanted to, just being free. Uh, never had that opportunity, obviously, because of COVID. But hopefully – that does resume and hopefully the world progresses to a state in time where we can get back to normal come 2021. But moving on into my personal favorite of the show, the New York football 
Giants. This is more of a personal favorite, personal not favorite. Um, it becomes a personal favorite because they're my football team. Yep. But after every Sunday, they just, they just, I don't, I don't want them to be my football team, but I'm going <laughs> to roll with them because I'm a New Yorker and that's what we deal with. But New York Giants, Monday night football game, they played the Tampa Bay Bucks. And in no stretch of the imagination did anybody on planet Earth believe that the Giants had a chance. I saw numbers pregame by NFL analysts, I believe Booger McFarland in this game, or Randy Moss, I believe it was, picked the Giants to lose by a whopping 42 to 10. Yeah, there were some big margins they picked on Monday Night Football. I know, listen, there were some big margins on uh, Monday Night Football. There were some big margins in our pick as well. I I picked like a 35 to 10. I know you picked something around that as well. Were you actually, I think you actually were the only one that picked close. I think you said 24-17. I think think that's what you said. I could be wrong. If you're you're watching and listening, if you wrote it down, comment. Uh, I'd love to hear it from you, or you just follow up up with it next week. But I I could, I do believe you did say something along those lines. But the Giants did lose twenty-five to twenty-three. The Giants led at one point in this game fourteen to three with two minutes left in the second quarter. So they were competitive. They were. They were competitive. Um, What's very disappointing from a Giants standpoint, just a viewer's uh, standpoint, time was that they had an opportunity in this game to go up 35 to 14 just were they just they just played terrible football they they just well they didn't listen we'll get into that a little a little further down the I'll line. go on they my did, little, they didn't play they didn't play terrible football somebody in particular played terrible football I'll go on my little rant for you because um a comedian a quick side note comedian we watch Victor DiBattetto does uh these giant locker room stuff and Russo sent me something on uh I believe it was Tuesday when I was out and uh, I read it he took the week off because I guess uh, I'm not going to repeat what he said because it's just not a pro. I I don't want it to be appropriate for the show. They pretty much said they decided to blow up his brain and he didn't want to do a locker room segment. So since Russo missed out, I'm going to give a little bit of my own later on. Cool. Cool. We look forward to that, James. We do look forward to that. (laughs) But something that's coming out of this Giants game, um, James, as you reported earlier to me, um, why are the Giants not going to Golden Tate more? You know they signed a veteran receiver, and if you wanna you wanna speak right now, go ahead uh, and elaborate on that. So Golden Tate asks for the ball, asks to get thrown the ball a little bit more. Yeah. Um, like any veteran wide receiver uh, coming to a team, they probably expect the ball to be thrown to them a lot more. Uh, as we saw, as we've seen, Darius Slayton has taken the role of number one wide receiver. Yeah. Around uh, Sterling Shepard is probably the number two. Um, Golden Tate is probably the third. Um, Slayton, phenomenal out there. Love seeing him. He, him and Daniel Jones connecting often enough. His speed is phenomenal. Um, but Golden Tate, I saw earlier, Russo confirmed with me, so it wasn't just me seeing this. Um, the Giants tweeted something like, uh, maybe we cut uh, Golden Tate or one of their accounts, something along those lines. It was it was a fan that said, ask yeah. Giants, cut Golden cut Tate. Golden and Tate. then he, he liked the tweet. And then he liked the tweet. So... There's things going on in the Giants with Golden Tate, um, which if they want to cut him, well, you should have traded him. Realistically, yeah. you should have traded they're him. Just, they're just not – listen, James, they're just not a – I don't know why. I don't know what it is, but you're not going to tell me that Golden Tate does not have value in this league and that you could not have gotten anything for him. They felt oh. the need to trade away Marcus Golden, who – added depth to the linebacker position because they had to get their hands on a six-round pick. But their number three, arguably their number two, 
they couldn't get anything for a talented veteran receiver, a Super Bowl champion. They couldn't get exactly. anything for. No, they just probably didn't want to trade him for some reason, even though they don't even use him in this offense, no. which is which is very weird. And what's even weirder is his wife had made a statement after the game posted on Instagram. You know, she our phone's blowing up. She's getting text messages from everybody. Uh, golden's open. Golden's open. Golden's open. And at first, you know, obviously you think that's just you know your wife standing up for your husband. Um, you know, just saying, obviously, get in the ball more, blah, 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 blah. But then Jordan Renan actually posted on Twitter or Instagram, I believe, photos, uh, kind of an aerial view of a lot of the plays that the Giants had run. And on numerous occasions, she wasn't wrong. Golden Tate was out on an island by himself. When yeah. everybody was being covered, he was wide open, and they just refused to throw the ball to him. I don't know why. I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's Jason Garrett's system. I, I don't know why maybe Daniel Jones doesn't have that field vision, but I can't imagine the reasoning behind this. Your most one of the, one of the oldest members on your NFL team on the Giants in terms of uh, in terms of NFL tenure, in, in terms of accolades and what he's been able to accomplish. Yeah, why would you not throw to that guy? That's a guy that you want your quarterback to throw to. That, that, you know, that should be that should be Daniel Jones's security blanket. Especially a veteran guy. Now you're saying that that this is all posted. I believe. I believe he was open. Yeah. No, he was. There's a number of plays that Slayton was able to blow past his defender. Yeah. Uh, Ingram was. You know, there's a number of plays that uh, players from the Giants did. Now I don't know if Daniel Jones, from what I've seen, he might just have a vision tunnel. Tunnel vision. I'm doing this just because tunnel vision. There we go. Um, Because. As announcers set have seen in the past few weeks, um, he's staring down his wide receiver, receiver that he's yeah. throwing. So that's why he also has so many picks. Yeah. But there was times where wide receivers were wide open on Monday yeah. where it was easy. He could have still been running for a touchdown. That's what me, Russo, and Tom were texting. It's like some of these games, man, I mean, that game, we should have been up like 35 to three and a half. Yeah. We should have never lost Sunday's game. Monday's game, yeah. Monday's um, game, yes. Um, I understand the frustration because I would be frustrated too. It's like, I'm open. They're probably watching tape, and I'm pretty sure Jason Garrett and Joe Judge is like, Jones, buddy, do you not see him wide open? That's like, what, listen, that's what I would have to believe. Joe Judge, week in and week out, has proven to me that he's a very intelligent guy, that he knows exactly what he's doing. That the reason after every game, you know, the Giants have looked, the Giants have not looked good in many games. They haven't had many good moments. But the one thing I can attest to after each and every game, not one time will you ever find coming out of my mouth or a lot of Giants fans' mouths that I know or any analyst's fault or any analyst's mouths is that, hey, they lost that game because bad coaching. The, no. I don't think in any game they've lost because of bad coaching. They, I don't think they've lost one game in, in terms of bad coaching. It, that, that's, that's just not something that Joe Judge has shown me. In fact, it's surprising how much they've lost considered how good the coaching is. Not even Joe Judge. It's also um, – why am I blanking on the offensive coordinator's name all of a oh, sudden? Oh, Jason Garrett? Yeah, thank you. I don't know why. Yeah. Uh, Jason Garrett. They're praising both of them. They're like, they're doing a great job. Yeah. Jason Garrett worked with Dak Prescott. A yeah. young player. He's working with another young player. He's he's actually making pretty creative routes. 
Joe Judge is also sticking up for his team. You see him fired up on the sidelines. We haven't yeah. seen that in the coach in a few since probably Tom Coughlin. At least I'm thinking. Yeah, no, no um, doubt. And listen, I don't. At points in time, I don't even think that I've seen Tom. Maybe in the earlier days and ages, obviously because he uh, older over time may necessarily not take that approach anymore. But I mean, I, I don't even think I've seen Tom Tom Coughlin that 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 pissed on the sidelines, that angry on the sidelines. No. I mean, you, you saw in the Dallas game, the Giants messed up multiple plays, uh, the trick play, and, yep. and he, he looked like he wanted to stomp out on the field and just beat Why everybody up. Yeah. He, he, you know, he, you could tell when they got to the locker room at halftime that he probably screamed his head off. Um, but, no, definitely the, these losses are not coming from poor coaching. That, that's one thing that I would have to defend on the Giants' side is that they, they did pick the right coach in this instance. If you want to blame somebody, you blame Dave Gettleman uh, and for the – for the, for the players that uh, Joe Judge and uh, Patrick Graham and Jason Garrett have at their disposal, the personnel is just not there, and that, that goes solely on Dave Young and decision-making. And the defense is playing pretty good, too. The defense is, the defense is like a top-eight defense in the league. Like, we look at Monday's game. I mean, let alone Martinez was just all over the field. Like, normal. Like Martinez is unbelievable. Um, He's unbelievable. But we were pretty good this defense. This defense isn't bad. We got no, to Brady. Not. We got a Brady. We got a Brady a decent amount. I think they had two sacks in this game. I know Carter Coughlin had his first sack. Yes, I think this was also his first start as well. So good for him. Leonard Williams leads the team in, stat- in sacks. Who would have thought? Yeah. Who would have thought that? But uh, he leads this team with sacks uh, with four sacks this season. Uh, Blake Martinez back to your point, James. All of the field had forced fumble in Bucks territory. Yep, that's. That's what I'm seeing a lot with these Giants games. You watch a lot of these Giants games ba- uh, back. They force a lot of fumbles and turnovers in their opponent's territory so that when Daniel Jones takes the field, they're already in the opponent's territory. Like He doesn't have to take them down the field. That's why they're competing. Otherwise, if that defense isn't doing that, the Giants yeah. would be putting up zero points a game. If, they if they just don't get there. Last year's defense, forget about it. Yeah. And also, by being within, their, within the opponent's own uh, zone, we're still going to get points out of it. Oh, yeah. With a field goal. Yeah, So, so there's also that factor, too, that our defense ultimately is trying to also put up points on a, for us. Yeah. They, so, and they have been. They have been. Yeah. They've been doing that week in and week out probably since about, I want to say week, week two even. Week Bradbury two. had a lot of clutch interceptions. Yeah. That, that I think it was week, end of week two, week three kind of deal. Yeah. Kind of, yeah, somewhere in that vibe. But, the Giants, they, uh, it's not even arguable at this point. The Giants had the best game from a team standpoint in this Monday night matchup. Who would have thought that their best game would have come from the odds-on favorite to win the NFC Championship game led by Tom, uh, Tom Brady? Who would have thought that would have been their best game of the season? Yeah. But I don't even think it's arguable at this point that this was their best overall team performance of the season. Well, like I said earlier, they had multiple opportunities to go up as much as 35-14 to 14 in this game. Daniel Jones, and this and this will be the, the focal point now. He threw two costly picks, which resulted in 10 points for the opponent in the Bucks. James, as you alluded to, he overthrew multiple players, whether it was Sterling, Ingram, Slayton, and even Tate. That touchdown ball was high in the air. Yes, it was only where he could grab it, but Tate had to make an acrobatic yeah. move, only where you know he could make that type of move to get that touchdown in the end of the game. He's also missing some wider. He's also not seeing players run past their coverage. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. And quickly before we hop into Daniel Jones, I also want to say this one uh, point as well. Yeah. What a game by Andrew Thomas and what a game by Shane Lemieux. Shane Lemieux coming in the left guard, first start of his rookie career, uh, college center. I know they were looking to work him at right guard, now having to force him in at left guard because Will Hernandez had COVID, obviously. Shane Lemieux is awesome. He's he awesome. Is. And if there was a defense to show what he's capable of, up against this defensive front, what JPP, uh, Steve McClendon, Adam Kitsu, and Shaq Barrett, I mean, it doesn't get better than that, aside from the Steelers, pretty much. But it doesn't get better than that defensive front in terms of uh, first-time matchups. And Andrew Thomas, too. You know, we knocked him a lot. He had a very good game. Hopefully, he builds more consistency yep. um, as well from his standpoint. But back to Dan Jones, he overthrew multiple players, and that's why we say had the opportunity to throw, uh, have thirty-five, uh, have a score of 35 to 14 because they could have. Jones was missing open players where you could have seen 50, 60-yard, not, not 50, 60-yard passes, but 50, 60-yard touchdowns by Sterling, Ingram, Darius Slayton, he was missing left and right. He just could not hit a player for the life of him. For the life of him. And James, when you look at when you look at this game, Daniel Jones was the worst player on the field. It's not even close. He was the worst player in this game. And I want to ask you this, and I'll throw it to you first. And I know we never like to fully, me and Tom, obviously, you know, we were going back and forth with it oh, uh, yeah. in terms of percentages on who's to blame for this loss. And I don't care what anybody says, because this, again, like I said, this was the, mo- it was, this was the most perfect game from every player on each side of the ball. Maybe James Bradbury didn't have the most stud game of his Giants career so far, but he was up against Mike Evans, okay? So we give him a little bit of slack. Is Daniel Jones 100% to blame for this loss? Because I, I believe he is. Because they don't, they, don't, they don't lose this game if it isn't no. for him. They don't lose this game. They don't lose this game. They don't, there isn't any mistakes made by any of the wide receivers, any of the running backs. Um, the fact is that when you have somebody so, so wide open yeah. and you overthrow them. Every you time, too. Every, it seems like every, every time the receiver broke coverage, it seemed like he just was missing. Are, are you kidding me? Yeah. I don't fully understand that a quarterback gets paid millions of dollars can't hit wide open guys. All right, maybe there was some pressure in the face. Okay, whatever. But there was but that, that that was, was it, there wasn't really much. The offensive line I, had the best performance of the year. I like it was towards the end of the game, which at the end of the game, the offensive line was like, "You ain't helping yourself, buddy. What yeah, can we do?" That was um, only that was only the third sack of the game on that last drive. Otherwise, you know, three sacks of this Tampa Bay team, I'll take that any day of the week. I don't understand. He takes. Very much of the blame. Yeah. Very much of the blame. Just in the matter of you're missing wide open guys. You're missing guys that you're not even looking on the field that's wide open. Yeah. Darius Slayton was down. I forget what play it was. Was wide open on one of the sidelines. But so 
say I'm the quarterback, right? I'm looking directly. No, I know what you're saying. You know, he was he was looking the opposite direction. And this this, Slayton, this is my hand where Slayton's going. Darius Slayton had about ten yards, ten of yards. margin, ten fifteen yards of a margin in between him and the nearest defender. Look it would have been an easy touchdown pass. And even he he's kind of, he's somewhat mobile enough where he can step up in that pocket. He can yep. move back in that pocket. He can move left to the right where he could potentially make that throw. Yeah. The other thing is Peppers. Yeah, Jamal Peppers. Jabril, yeah. Jabril. Jabril, yes, thank you. Punt return. Phenomenal punt return. Gets us on the other side of the 50, I believe. Yeah. We do nothing with it. Yeah. A wasted opportunity because he kept overthrowing wide receivers. I mean, thankfully, Evan Ingram made that phenomenal catch. I mean, he I saved know. himself from last week yeah. because if he didn't, come on, man. I mean, but, that was that was a little more of a bad throw by Daniel Jones that Evan Ingram just made look good. That was just a really uh, yes. nice athletic catch by uh, Evan Ingram. Very, well, you know, hand-eye coordination was fantastic on that play. He, need, he needed to rebound himself, but uh, most of this is on Daniel Jones. Not on the defense, not on the O-line, not on the run game. The run game had a pretty good solid game. Hey, Gallman was good. Gallman was very impressive. I believe he had 55 yards with a touchdown. That was impressive. Um, not on the special teams because the special teams is actually pretty good. Special, right, special teams, teams have always been pretty good at Frost. It was great. Um, coaching calls, some of those mixed routes are phenomenal. I put most of it on Jones. They, they, like, I don't know. Like, There will be other people. Well, the offensive line didn't really do so well. Well, there could have been this one made key play. Well, the flag at there should have been a flag at the end. The last play where we were down, where we would have tied the game ultimately, he waited too long to hold the ball. I know everybody's he saying should, it's everybody's saying it's a pass interference. Well, I listen, un- it doesn't become a pass interference when your quarterback throws the ball on time. I understand where they say it should have been a pass interference, and this will be my last quick thing because I see the time. Yeah. Um, is it should have been a pass interference because the ball was going, but if. If Eli Manning was there, for example, he would have probably thrown that ball when he was open. I mean, maybe. 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 I don't know. But all I mean, I'm saying I, I, is you, you yeah. throw it when the guy's open. You don't throw it when he's on coverage. I mean, I if mean, you look in the, the guy who uh, – the guy for the Bucks was Antoine Winfield Jr. And if you look from where he started on the D – if you watch the play in fully, I think it was how like, far he had to come. I think it was in like the center of the end zone. It, it was even further than that. It was on the left side of the goalpost. Okay, and he ran all. That's how much. That's how delayed this pass was from Daniel Jones. Unacceptable. It was just. Uh, I forgot to even mention that. But Daniel Jones, thirty-six turnovers in his entire career in twenty games, only behind one of the biggest QB busts of all time in Ryan Leaf, who had forty-one. Yes. In twenty games. Damn. Now I have to say this because I think it needs to be said because this is where the spotlight was on Daniel Jones primarily. Where again, he was the only real fault in this football game. They, again, I don't think there was really any other fault in this football game with the exception of him. I don't think Daniel Jones is the guy. I think this game proved it. I don't want to hear one week doesn't prove anything. I don't want to hear we weren't supposed to win anyway because they had every opportunity to win the game. This game is on Daniel Jones, and a lot of the games, which I've been saying, Daniel Jones doesn't make these mistakes. They don't lose the game. You know, we should be game. really leading. We should be pulling away with this NFC East. We're not. Yeah. Think, of, hey. think, James, think about this. 
The NFC East has the opportunity to be the worst division of all time. Not one of the worst, but the worst the of worst. all time. And the Giants are in fourth in the worst division of all time. That's how bad they are. That's how bad they are. Daniel Jones, if he cuts half the turnovers, if he cuts half the turnovers, the Giants are probably leading this NFC East right now. Even yeah. if they only have three or four wins, they're probably winning the NFC East. You're right still now. there. You're still within contention. But you know what? We move on. We face Washington this weekend, the Washington football team. Um, we won I mean, against them when we played them earlier in the season. With Maybe a gift from Ron Rivera. I mean, is he going to make the same mistake twice? We'll see what happens. But we'll quickly, what happens. and I got I to say this before we move into the Jets, uh, in the Jets, uh, and then that'll be the round out of the show. Again, Daniel Jones, I think he has a great personality. I think he's the leader. That doesn't mean that he can win football games for this team. I think the point that Giants fans are at right now, or at least the point that I'm at, is does he help you more in terms of winning football games, or does he hurt you more? in terms of winning football games. And I think the answer is he hurts you more. And people are going to say he doesn't have the personnel. I want to put you to the other side of MetLife. Sam Donald has never had a weapon in his entire career, yet still manages to survive, still manages to throw passes. Is he putting up numbers? No. No. But you don't think Sam Donald would kill for Sterling Shepard or Golden Tate? Oh, he would kill for him. Or Darius Slayton or Evan Ingram. His number one target right now, because Jameson Crowder didn't even play on Sunday, is Braxton Berrios. That's his number one target. That's his, and, and the greatest target he's ever had was Robbie Anderson and his team decided not to bring him back. Damn. Is the Jets' offensive line as good as the Giants' offensive line? No shot. No. But yet he still manages to survive. Daniel Jones, I don't want to hear the offensive line is the problem because I'm going to bring up some stats. And we, James, we might go over it, but this has to be said. All this, right. It has to be said. As long as we cover the Jets, we have to give the Jet fans some love. We will, we will show the Jet in, 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 a, in, a, in an 0 8 season, we will show them love, I promise you. <laughs> Eli Manning in 07, when the Giants went to the Super Bowl, and he had one of the best lines ever. One of the best lines. That was a nice line. You know how many turnovers Eli Manning had that year, James? In 07? 12. Turn, no, I'm not just talking about interceptions or fumbles. Oh. I'm talking about total turnovers. Uh, I want to say 20. 33 with oh. one of the best offensive lines Next. that the Giants have ever had. 20 interceptions and 13 fumbles. In 2010, when the Giants missed the playoffs because of the Seahawks, and they went 10-6, and six, I believe it was. Uh, yeah. The Giants' offensive line let up 16 sacks that season. That's one sack per game. That's unbelievable. You know how many turnovers Eli Manning had that year? Go ahead. 32, 25 interceptions and seven fumbles. So all the Giants fans out there that are saying Daniel Jones needs a line. Well, Eli Manning had some of the best lines ever and still threw for over, still had 30 turnovers in a season. The problem is this. If you are a turnover machine in the NFL as a quarterback, then that's it. There's no solving it. There's no side that you just got to deal with it. That's what the Giants did. They, They just dealt with it. They, they dealt just with dealt it. with it and built a defense that was fantastic. Oops. They built an offensive line that was fantastic because they knew the quarterback was going to turn over the ball, but at least they'd have a run game. That does not mean that you settle now for Daniel Jones. You do not settle with 36 turnovers in 20 games. You do not settle. That's this guy true. cannot be your guy. He cannot be your guy. 
I don't think he, I don't think, yes, he's had his sparks. He's had his moments. There's no doubt. But there's not enough good in comparison to the amount of bad that is there. And I think Daniel Jones is a great person. I think he's got a great personality. I think he's a leader. I don't think he's the franchise quarterback. I think this game proved it. Because again, you can't say to yourself as a team, you can't look at Daniel Jones, right? James, you look at Daniel Jones, you know the turnovers were a problem. The only thing that he had to address this offseason was his turnover problem, and somehow it got worse. God only knows how. God only knows how. You're asking the wrong person, buddy. I don't know. In 12 games last year, he had 12 interceptions. He's only played eight games this year. He already has nine. He has seven fumbles this year. It's not looking good, the ratio right now, in terms of turnover to touchdown. It's just not looking good. It's looking 16 to 7 right now. That's not good numbers at all. Not at all. You want to blame the offensive line? Look back at those numbers that I just told you about Eli Manning. This is what people have to realize. If you're a turnover machine, you're going to be a turnover machine in the NFL. He was in college. He is now. It's not going to be solved. And for those of you that believe, oh, over time, give Daniel Jones a chance. You know, he'll solve it. He'll develop. He could, he could limit his turnovers. Eli Manning was quarterback of the New York Giants for 16 years. He never limited his turnovers. He never did. And we were successful. And they were successful. They didn't always have. In fact, James, this was actually funny. I looked this up. In terms of passing percentage, completion percentage, yeah. Eli Manning had the best completion percentage, one of the best completion percentages of his career towards the end of his career when the Giants had the worst offensive line ever. So put that in your mind. The best completion percentage when they had no offensive line. It's not the offensive line. It's not the weapons around him. It's the individual standpoint. Like you said, James, maybe tunnel vision. I don't know what you have to do with this guy. I don't know if this guy could be the guy. And considering where the Giants stand right now, if the season was the end, end today, have a second overall pick. And I know you're not going to land Trevor Lawrence, but you have to look into potentially drafting another quarterback. Why? I'm a Giants fan. Listen, I love this Giants team. I love them. I bleed big blue. I always will. I always have. And I'm not rooting for tanking. Never rooting for tanking. Yeah. But I'm not going to, ri- I'm not going to root for pity wins and say that's improvement. Uh, the Giants going 3-13 and 13 this year is not improvement. That's winning garbage games against garbage football teams. That's not improvement. No. That's not, and that's what this team has been the last six, seven years, winning garbage games against garbage teams. And the only way to build this team is which they've shown because they don't – that's another reason why I'm almost contradicting myself in a sense. I'm hoping for a better draft pick at this point in time if the Giants can't draft well. In fact, you look at well, some of the best players on this Giants team, and most of them aren't players that they drafted. No, they're all trans. They're not. But James talk- Bradbury, Kyler Fackrell – Leonard Williams, Jabril Peppers, uh, Kevin Zeitler, Golden Tate, they're all guys that the Giants brought in via free agency, via trade. They're not guys that they drafted. You want to say Saquon Barkley, fine, but who could have missed on that guy? Will Hernandez, fine. Darius Slayton, fine. Sterling Shepard, okay. Outside of that, they don't draft well. They need to build through free agency. They need to improve upon. I don't know if GM is, I don't know if Dave Gettleman is going to be the longtime GM. But one thing that me and you both know, James, is that this Giants sometimes has too much patience. Yeah. They have too much patience. Too much patience. And I don't know if Dave Gettleman's going to be that guy. Looking into Washington this week, well, James, we're going to get game. you. We're going to pick that because I'm losing my throat here. 
and I could go on for an hour. You know I could go on for an hour. I know. That's why I don't want to interrupt you. Washington. Uh, Washington plays the Giants. Um, I think they know how to play this team better. I think me and you both know that Washington blew a lot of opportunities that the Giants got very fortunate on. I don't see the Giants beating this team again because, they, again, in the week one matchup, and not in the week one matchup, but in the in the week six matchup, I believe was in the matchup in which they won something like that. The defense again carried and put the D and put them in a great position to succeed. It wasn't the offense. And I'm not saying that that's going to happen again, but that's going to have to happen again in order for this team to win. I think Ron Rivera second time around gets the W for the Washington football team. Not a high scoring game. I, I could see a, let's say a 24, 14 type of game in okay. Washington's favor. And James, like what's your pick? Uh, I'm going to go with Giants because I picked them on quick picks. Uh, 17-10. Ugly. Low Another, scoring. Another low scoring game. Knitting ready type of game, but I like it. And now let's move into the New York Jets. The other football team in New York, they lose this weekend in... Bruce, you want me to take over so you can get a quick... I'll catch. I'll listen. Let me get a quick drink. I'll, yeah. I'll catch my breath and you take it over. For there me. we go. You catch some breath. All right. So Jets played the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, no, no surprise. The Kansas City Chiefs won 35-9 against the Jets. Uh, Jets keep the game close until the last minute of the second quarter, which they did. They did look good. They've done this for two weeks in a row now. They've looked yep. good on the first half and then came flat out towards the second end of the second quarter and then just took a nose dive. The Jet took a nose dive where <laughs> they went down, James. Where they, they went, went down. down. Um, they were losing fourteen to nine. Patrick Mahomes went off in this game. I mean, Patrick Mahomes. Let, let's talk about him real fast. Thirty-one for forty-two, four hundred and sixteen yards with five TDs. I think after one of the touchdowns to T. Right T. To Hill. He said, really get good. on my back. I'm carrying it to the bench. He's carrying this team. Uh, Kelsey, a, another big game. Love him. He's on my fantasy team. Eight receptions, 109 Ditto. yards, one touchdown. Um, and then Avery Williams gets trade, uh, Avery Williams gets traded to the Steelers, uh, from the Jets. Can you imagine um, waking up being 0 and 8 and going to bed 7 and 0? What, what a great, what a that's great like feeling the that must best be. feeling. Like you must be like, oh, I, I, like just getting ready for bed, right? You get a call from your agent or something. Hey, but uh, we're just traded you to the Steelers. That cool with you? You know, you know how you're like, on the worst oh. team in the league. Well, now you're on the best team in the oh, league. Oh yeah, I'm good. Let's with go. That. Let me pack my bags real quick. I'll fly and out to. And listen, he's joining. He's joining the best defense in football right now, and he's he's no slouch as a linebacker, defensive no, player. He's not. That's that's a great addition for the Steelers. So the Jets well. will definitely miss him. Um, to continue on with the Chiefs, Hardman has seven receptions, 96 yards, and a TD. Robinson, four receptions, 63 yards, and TD. Patrick Mahomes was moving the ball around. He was spreading that ball around. He was giving Spread everybody love. some love, Spread which is love. great to see. Um, he's at that MVP caliber. Um, he could ultimately take it, but I think everybody in the league wants to see more of Russell Wilson take it since he kind of hasn't um, – He's never got an MVP vote. He's never gotten it. Um, he, he's always been somewhat in these talks, but no one's really ever voted for him because guys like Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, you know, yeah, it's so many other guys that we could go on for. Um, just isn't there. Um, to, but Kansas City blew these Jets out. Um, to sum up the Jets' day was um, uh, not very good. Uh, there was no – Sorry, Jets fans. There was no touchdowns thrown. 
during the Jet game for the Jets. Uh, it was all field goals. So uh, the Jets, like the Dallas Cowboys, like to fly to different uh, states just, just to, to kick, kick some field, field goal. goals. So yeah. what they should really do from now on, just some advice uh, from me, is just send your special teams there, kick some field goals, hop back on the plate. You save a lot of money on uh, travel. Oh, yeah. That, and food. I mean, you got to feed, what, 56, if not more guys? Hotel expenses. Yep. You, you, you limit all that down. Uh, but besides that, Darnold, 18 for 30, 133 yards. Gore, not a, he, he only had 30 yards for 10 rushes. Um, Mims. Mims is one of the guys That's that Daniel Jones likes. Uh, oh, the Sam Darnold likes. Sam Darnold likes. Sam Darnold. Wow. Okay. Well, see how bad these two teams are coming to me yeah, um, listen it happens man it, it can happen to anybody Wait, especially two, when especially when they're the number one and number two seed in terms of worst teams in the league oh exactly i mean mims is a guy that darnold likes two receptions 42 yards he's somebody that he looks to get the ball to. i think mims is a great fit for darnold he's oh, yeah. somebody that he can rely on is since he's pretty fast too yeah um, listen he was which, highly recruited out of, uh, out of baylor the only knock against him was that he got hurt um, otherwise, he would have been drafted higher. But it's definitely a nice building block in terms of building an offense for Sam Darnold, no doubt. You want to take over from here? Yes, I will take over. over. I am I am rejuvenated. I am good. Excellent. My throat is uh, clear. We're good. And Braxton Berrios rounding it out with eight receptions, 34 yards. Jeff Smith, Jeff Smith, three receptions, 29 <laughs> yards uh, on the day. Um, Sam Darnold, I know, was having shoulder problems. Uh, I see that in yep. this game a lot. Um and he got you know, I can't sacked. I can't blame him. He, he got, got sacked on the shoulder too. Yeah, that's true. He got pushed down on his shoulder as well, uh, which is not good, especially if you think this is your quarterback. Um I don't know if you saw it on Instagram. Um yeah, this is how you know you're just living life. The Chiefs, uh the Jets were in a huddle mm-hmm. and they played a song in the stadium, and the entire Chiefs defense started dancing. I the entire I Chiefs and yeah, Sam Darnold's out of here looking to call a play, and you got the opposite side of the ball. You're winning by twenty plus points, and you're just dancing. I they're mean, doing the cha slide or whatever. You just, know, no, you just know you're winning, man. That's it. That's it. It's not disrespectful. You're just you're just winning. You're enjoying life. That's all it is. Yeah, that's all it is. But the Jets, obviously, not many bright spots. I think Denzel Mims is a bright spot. And some news for Jets fans. Uh, put this on the script specifically. Was tuning into the Michael K show yesterday, one of my favorites as a New Yorker. So they had Joe Douglas on as a guest. Mm-hmm. And he went on the show yesterday and they were talking to him obviously about the, the, the obvious fact. You know, he's Sam Darnold. You know, is that going to be the guy? Because you're potentially suited to pick number one overall. Yeah. And this is what Joe Douglas stated. He said that Sam Darnold is the New York Jets quarterback for the future. Hmm. Now, mean- for all you Jet fans out there, you can interpret that any which way you want, but I don't think there's any which way that you can interpret it in favor of what you're liking to. My interpretation is this, is that future doesn't mean the rest of the season. Future no. means we're going to build around this guy. That's going to be our quarterback. We're going to build around him. Mm-mm. And I don't know any which way, because the Jets have the potential to own 16. Maybe they'll win a game. Maybe they'll win a game too. But they have the potential to pick number one. I don't see any way in which they pass up on Trevor Lawrence. I'm not saying this is a farce. I'm not saying this is smoke. 
but I believe Joe Douglas. Like I, I, I think that what he's saying is legit because right. we've seen in the past where there uh, people are asked about this question, the coaches are asked about this question, and they stated blatantly, you know, Sam Darnold's our quarterback this season, right? That, that says nothing about this season, right? That, yeah. That's a perfectly fine statement. You're supporting your quarterback for the rest of the season. Has nothing to do with the remainder of the season. Uh, Sam is the quarterback for weeks to come. Sam is our guy, leaving it blatant off like that. But saying that Sam is the future of the New York Jets at the quarterback position. No. That means this guy is going to be the guy, Jet fans. And I hate to break it to you, but it sounds like a reality as long as Joe Douglas is the GM. It's scary it's, stuff. It's scary very stuff. scary. It's also stuff that Jeff fans probably don't like to hear because a lot of them aren't big fans of Sam Darnold. Um, yeah. And you have probably a potential first-round pick in Trevor Lawrence, uh, which actually they have a big game, which he's not playing in Clemson versus um, Notre Dame this this weekend, but he's still out um, for that. But in general, Trevor Lawrence is probably a great, would be huge pickup for the Jets. It would be a higher caliber player than Sam Darnold is. But, hey, if your GM saying this and – He's gone through how many coaches and paid how many coaches that are on a different team and a coach that's on the field that probably doesn't know exactly what really to do in a sense. Um, well, there you go, Jeff fans. That's your organization. I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry that you guys have to go through that. That's, that's just, just the reality right now. Yeah. And, to, and to throw salt into an open wound, uh, James, to – even further elaborate on what Joe Douglas was speaking upon. Obviously uh, the elephant in the room, Adam Gase uh, guys on the Michael K show had to address about that. You know, is Gase going to be the guy and what he implied is that what is happening with the jets, obviously being 0 eight is not Gase's fault. No. And it seems like Gase will not be fired during or after the season from at least how it can be interpreted, which means that, Get ready, Jet fans, because this guy's not getting fired next week. He's not getting fired the week after that, even if you guys are 0-10. I don't think he's getting fired if you guys are 0-16. I think he's going to be the coach for the future. Well, listen. And this is where I want to show some love, support, and potential calming downness for the Jets real quick. The Jets don't have a roster right now. No. They don't have a roster. Give it some time. Give it some time. You know, you want to you wanna complain about Le'Veon Bell? Fine. You want to complain about Jamal Adams? Fine. This is what Jet fans have to realize. And they already know this. Mike McCagnan didn't put them in a good situation either. In a sense, look at what Joe Douglas is doing, and maybe in a sense he's clearing house and wanting to build his own team from scratch. And maybe you could take it that way, and you might be saying, Kyle, what are you talking about? Building from scratch, what does that mean? Getting rid of your best players? Listen, I'm not saying that's the method of truth, but as a Giants fan, you traded OBJ, right? <laughs> and if he's tradable, Anybody. you know what? I'm sorry, but Jamal Adams, Steve McClendon, and Avery Williamson are tradable. I hate to, I hate to argue that, but that's the case scenario. They are. Because some GMs, some coaches want to clear house. They want to build their own roster. And I think we're also seeing that on the side of Adam Gase that maybe he doesn't have the roster he wants right now. 
remember the Jets didn't have many draft picks last year. They just didn't. No. They didn't. They didn't go out and spend because Mike McCagnan put them in a terrible situation with the contract in which they gave to Tremaine Johnson. In which they gave to CJ Mosley. Even though he's a great player, he's only played like two games for them. And he opted out of this year because of COVID. Give them a chance. Wait till after this year. Wait till after this draft. Get their players. And then you could start putting blame on them. Because you got to remember, you can't blame Gase for the talent in which they have. No, because it was a past. It was a past. And this is and this is another thing too with Jet fans, which they have to realize: the Jets had on schedule for one of the most difficult seasons in the NFL in terms of opponents in which they were going to face. I believe I picked them to be two and fourteen or three and thirteen. They were not going to win many games at all. So I don't know why 0-8 is a big surprise to most people. I don't know I, why it is. I think it was probably to be a little bit more competitive in some games. Listen, I think, are you supposed I, to lose to Miami 24-0? I get that. I mean, but, you know. Come on, you're telling me you're not going to compete against the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, no, not game. Kansas not. City Chiefs, but like maybe the Buffalo Bills. You know, We'll see how they do with New England this weekend. That's true, because New England has been in a cluster themselves. But take that, Jet fans, and hopefully run with it, and hopefully there's some truth to that. And hopefully, listen, I'm not looking to be right, but hopefully I'm right in the sense that the Jets can build a team. Because Joe Douglas, you got to remember, guys, Jet fans, New Yorkers, we were high, we were high on Joe Douglas yeah. coming to New York as the GM for the Jets. We thought he was going to fix everything. Give him the opportunity to fix stuff. After this year's draft, after this year's free agency, then you could truly evaluate where this team stands at that point in time. But that'll do it for the Jets part of the show. That'll do it for the remainder of the show. As we close here, just a few remaining statements. Oh, oh, actually, oh my, James, oh. I'm looking to rush. We didn't even predict the Jets game. You, you oh. brought up the New England. I'm sorry. I'm yeah. sorry. Reverse back, pretend that never even happened. Let's go back to the Jets game real quick. Uh, they play New England this weekend. Like I said, the New England Patriots are one of the lowest scoring offenses in the league with three or four touchdowns throughout the entirety of the season. Majorly hit by COVID, majorly hit by injury. Not going to have Edelman in this game, obviously, which is huge. Uh, They're going to be playing at the Jets, I believe, on Monday Night Football. So a little home field advantage, even though you don't got a crowd. Um, Cam Newton has not looked good. The Patriots have not scored a single point in the first quarter of any game this season. This is a winnable game, as crazy it sounds. Who, who would have thought the Jets no, would it is. have a winnable chance against the Patriots? Um, I'm still going to pick the Pats in this game. I think they've really depleted their team and their strength on the defensive side of the ball. They really got rid of almost every single good player they had on defense. I think Cam Newton is going to be able to be that Cam Newton that we've all seen in the past where he's able to run the ball more effectively. And I think the Patriots have the edge. I'm not saying it's going to be a clean game at all. I could really see, to be honest with you, I could see a 20 to 13 type of game in the Patriots' favor. That's my final uh, projection. James, how about yourself? Uh, I'm going with 21 17. Yeah, listen, yeah. It, it's not yeah. a, it, it couldn't, it can be a reality. It's really listen, not that far off. They played very good. They just played pretty good against the Bills. Um, so, you know, if they bring that same level that they played against the Bills, they may have some pretty good success against the Pats. You know what? But I don't know. It's any given Sunday, guys. Yep, that's true. Well, in this case, it's a Monday. But yes, any, well, given, Monday, yes. Any, any given day of football, any football team could win and any football team could beat anybody, as we saw with the uh, 
The Rams get smacked by Miami last weekend, last Sunday. But that'll do it for Review and Preview. On my behalf, Kyle Russo and James Montefusco. But quickly before we close out, just to advertise tomorrow, Tom Scavetta and Hank and Dick there tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. Tune into Big Blue Avenue tomorrow uh, as they talk all things New York Giants. They will elaborate fully. They will predict. They will show you clips. They will highlight. They will show the ins and outs of this football game. Not really what me and James discussed, but definitely more in depth upon what we discussed tonight. And then the New York Giants, obviously playing the Washington football team this weekend, will also be a major point of discussion for them this weekend. Make sure to subscribe, guys. We just built a YouTube channel. It's only it's recent, only up the last couple of weeks. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at Review and Preview Sports. Make sure you go tell your family. Make sure you go tell your friends. If you love us, make sure to spread the love all around and make sure to follow us on all of our platforms, not just our YouTube platform, but all of them. On behalf of myself, Kyle Russo, and James Montefusco, good night, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this edition of Review and Preview. Thank you.